Greetings, Namaste, and Shalom. 
Welcome aboard to another episode of the Beyond Top Secret Texan podcast. You are listening to me, the Beyond Top Secret Texan, your host from the third coast, bringing you the best of alternative news. Some may call it conspiracy theories, but we know it as the truth. We know it as a fact. We know it and do not have to merely believe it in faith. We have done our research, we have done our homework and enough to know that there is something more than meets the eye and something going on behind the scenes. We are waking up from the dream, the American dream, and we are seeing the real world for what it is, what it has always been, and what it always will be. So thank you all very much for tuning in. I know your time is precious, and I know you have your choice in this highly competitive world of paranormal and UFO-themed, I know, uh, supernatural-themed, conspiracy-themed podcasts, researchers, investigators, public speakers, etc. And for you to choose me in your day or night, evening, morning, whatever it may be, on your commute or while you relax... It means the world to me for what that is. And it has meant the world to me for the last two years as I produced this content under different names and with the different ideas for what its purpose was as we were figuring it out on a journey together. For those that have listened since the beginning of this channel and the beginning of the YouTube um, video production, which is truly the genesis of this program, You know, and for everyone who motivated me and encouraged me to keep going and expanding on the the message and and to keep promoting it and to keep uh, speaking to others uh, with sincerity and with uh, due diligence and and seeking to promote and to expand the horizons of by including special guests, by including and reaching out to people who um, um, had more experience within this uh, podcast world or within this broadcasting uh, world, the internet content creator world, and having to kind of step back into social media and do it all solo, of course. You know, everything from sending out emails to setting up accounts, uh, etc. This has all been a solo affair. And in doing that, the sole motivation, the sole payment of it for the much of the majority of the efforts of production and and that includes um 400 plus episodes uh, on youtube and the library and odyssey that includes hundreds of videos uh, collected and redistributed on um tiktok instagram as well as uh, the hundred plus podcast episodes that are available across many different platforms uh, online and that are uh, available mostly for free across the spectrum, uh, across the, the whole internet. Available on major uh, apps like Spotify, Apple Podcast, or even uh, more minor ones like Anchor and uh, Player FM. Just to name a few. There, it's also on iHeartRadio. It's also, I mean, literally across the, the podcast uh, broadcasting spectrum. Now, that being said, the only compensation for the majority of that effort 
and and they provide that message was merely the you know congratulatory uh, response I had from a very strong response I had from the community a very positive response and the overwhelming uh, amount of motivation and encouragement and support and friendship that has uh, poured out from it um, and that has in its own way been worth gold you know worth more than gold worth more than anything but this is uh, where things will have to kind of start changing in the timeline of the channel in which after this calendar year into 2020 there will have to be more of a uh, paywall at least to filter out those that are really serious about the information and those that are uh, merely uh, following to kind of uh, poach or hijack uh, narratives that, to act like COINTELPRO agents in their own right. Um, and it won't be a, a major, you know, paywall. It's a $1 at least, but it will be hosted on an independent website uh, primarily. It'll be hosted uh, on alternative video channels that have greater reimbursements. My video portion of the, the program will no longer be uploaded to TikTok. It will no longer be uploaded to YouTube, which uh, will no longer support me as a creator. This is where the decision was made, not in my own uh, office, as it were, you know, not in my own uh, decision making or meditations on my channel, but because YouTube uh, demonetized my video efforts on there and TikTok is jeopardizing my, my video content as well as absolutely censoring and shadow banning my work that uh, no longer going to go mainstream and after this is all said and done the first two years really were just to get the, the message out to kind of get noticed to kind of get the, the, the conversation started amongst people who are the followers of this kind of content the followers of this media the genre and then to uh uh, you know, eventually see where this would lead, how how the next steps would kind of uh, you know uh, show themselves, like the, where where next to go, how the path would kind of unfold in front of you. And this seems to be the way of least, least resistance. This seems to be the way of uh, uh, you know how things have presented themselves is to move away from those uh, older, I guess even now TikTok would be considered older of a platform, and into more of a uh, uncensored, you know, freedom of speech, respecting creator, supporting um, the platform, like Rockfin, for example, which supports its creators seven times more than YouTube does. On average, and you—I mean, that, this is what I'm saying. It's not anyone's fault, but it has—it has to be kind of minded on that. That the creator needs to protect and be rewarded for their own creation, which is absolutely admirable and justified. Because 
if I'm going to be working full time or, or at the same capacity that I have and have been, then I need to uh, be more financially uh, reimbursed and, and supported. Uh, traditionally, I have been relying on donations from supporters, and those that have supported me have meant, uh, you know, everything. I've made videos, uh, you know, shouting out their their Patreon handles, and I've made, uh, um, you know, much, uh, much, you know, um, uh, how much you know that means to me. How much like you know their support actually means to me. Well, you know, just just there's like a compounding effect of it being both, uh, you know, financial, but at the same time, uh, a real show of gratitude. But then uh, there's the other side of that, the realistic side of that, where it's the objective side of it. And, you know, no longer wanting to be relegated to this idea of uh, an illegitimate or a you know, amateur or a non-serious uh, creator or, or broadcaster or vocalist, uh, as it were, a presenter, you know, and, and, and much more when it comes to the background work, when it comes to the actual uh, research and, and development of these episodes. Uh, I think it's more than fair you know, then to have the the content, you know, on somewhere where it is guaranteed that the listeners would have to have contributed in some way financially. I could make them Patreon exclusives. Um, I could put them on a on a website behind a paywall to listen to free, hosting them on like a. Uh, you know, self-made website. There are ways to do it with the with the library and Odyssey app. It's to, to put them behind a paywall that needs uh, the crypto exchange and everything. But uh, to be honest, I'm not very faithful about crypto. I never really have been. I'm not very excited about crypto. Um, but yeah, like that is just going to be the way that the channel is going in 2022. These are the last uh, free episodes, as it were. There'll always be, I guess, a free episode, one free episode per month. But that will be <laughs> the least amount of effort given to that one project. It's only natural. I mean, the, the idea is that, you know, all artists and even musicians and, and actors would be rightfully justified in demanding compensation for their work. You know, as would any uh, craftsman or tradesman, and so while it was mostly donation-based and mostly um, uh, free to listen to for the people, the expectation was that the audience would grow, which they did. I was rightful in my thinking of this. This is a, a absolute accurate guess, and like it was, it was good while it lasted. Uh, that. I would still be able to maintain it for free to listen to and, and uncensored in its entirety because the platforms themselves, YouTube, TikTok, you know, the, the podcast hosting platforms, the advertisers would seek me out as well as my views would start uh, earning profits, which did start happening. 
That's absolutely the case. It did start happening. I was successfully monetized, but the way they were censoring me and shadow banning me, it was inc it was an uphill battle. But even then, we still, you know, gained enough followers and and we gained enough um, supporters and we gained enough, uh, you know, really diehard uh, fans to to start seeing, you know. Um, a real shift in the momentum, a real shift in the, the the monthly earnings, and a real shift into like the the view count and everything, and it was really exciting. And uh, that's when this this brings it up right now to immediately, like I think it was uh, earlier this month that uh, YouTube uh, demonetized me after manual review after someone an agent of theirs reviewed the content. So we couldn't really rely on that. And then TikTok uh, actually deleted my channel and I had to appeal and get it back. And that just means that it's, no, it's not a safe place, it's not secure, and it's not at all, you know, on my side. You know, it's just gonna, uh, you know, flip the switch like that without, without even a warning. So it's unwise to keep investing in, in promoting that platform against my better interest. So... Uh, no longer relying on the old plan, which was to be monetized by major platforms and to allow my content to basically be for free, gaining a larger audience and thus uh, gaining the, the earning the revenue from these larger platforms directly, not from the people who are listening to me. I have to go independent, fully independent, I guess you would say, and, and go third party. And, and kind of a sense of, uh, you know, heading out west, you know, to seek the fortunes as you were the Internet's Wild West nowadays. And because of that, I have to guarantee, uh, you know, that I can keep the lights on and, and provide for the better equipment and keep on my timeline. Because in 2022, I want to make more documentaries and actually go on uh, field investigations and do... Um, a lot of uh, on-site recording, and that takes better equipment than what I have currently. Uh, things like a starlight scope uh, to record, uh, you know, ground-level IR, infrared, uh, you know, flares. So that we can do UFO hunting over the bay, UFO hunting uh, across the bayfront, the Gulf of Mexico, real beaches. And that's, uh, you know, a tent things like that, camping gear, as well as the supplies, gas, fuel, uh, you know, and, and maybe even uh, hiring people on, uh, being able to pay my guests, being able to seek better guests, thus growing, actually growing as a channel, and that's going to start next year. So the options are to start splitting up my time with uh, outside employment, freelance employment, you know, to help fund the show, which would take away from the quality of the episodes and the number of episodes, as well as the number of uploads, or to seek the, you know, support, you know, from, from this mandatory payroll. Or paywall, sorry. And, um, you know, it's just a dollar. It's just, it's just a dollar. And then you obviously were getting incentivized and, and have... Uh, a greater and more present rewards package uh, when I do develop merch because merchandise is going to be a part of this uh, next phase of 2022 
that uh, you'll get free merch samples. You'll be get allowed to have um, you know discounts on merch if you are already a supporter and a provider of a uh, uh, either a Patreon, it uh, you know a membership, or you've already bought access through another way. And of course, uh, more personalized uh, shoutouts and everything, like maybe once per show or maybe just online, uh, make it more of an interactive thing, weekly um, weekly lotteries and everything for the Patreons, uh, you know, just making it, you know, up as I go, basically, but that, those are some things to kind of sweeten the deal. But yeah, if you are one of the people who are listening for free and have never supported the uh the uh, channel have never supported me or, or contemplated it, and this is something that dissatisfies you, then, I mean, you know, feel free to, you say, feel free to listen to someone else for free. Uh, but for those that, uh, you know, still want to hear my message and still want to see the videos and still want to see the, uh, the content and the, the interviews, hear the interviews that I have and everything, then then this is what's going to be happening in the future and just look out for that and I'm not being a hypocrite here I support a lot of independent creators through Patreon um, you know I add a few uh, when I can and I'm someone who was literally financially at zero for uh, months for the last two years while doing this and longer before that and so I know that it's not something that like, if you would pay $5 for a concert ticket and think that's a pretty cheap concert ticket, because it is, and that it, it goes to supporting musicians, which it does, and that that's a good thing, but then you won't su- give a dollar to someone that you listen to for hours of content for free online, or you would pay for a streaming service, it's this, you know... But it's just the modern day for at least a little bit there, and I think we're going to have to get out of that mindset that the creator is obligated to provide free media, free content, regularly and in high quality. Uh, Because the consumer doesn't have the responsibility of personally supporting the provider of their entertainment. They ha- they rely they expect YouTube or TikTok to provide the actual earnings as a middleman. They they are simply you know watching and consuming the media, and they expect all the transactions to be done without their involvement. And in in some cases, in most cases, that's correct. That that's absolutely how the internet works. The consumer doesn't pay. For the inter- for what's on the internet, the internet is is the transactions there are done by advertisers or by larger companies like the platforms, you know, like how Facebook creators get paid or Facebook television uh, people get paid or TikTok people get paid, uh, Instagrammers get paid. They get paid by the actual platforms themselves, or through the transactions between sponsorships like selling merchandise or their. Are their shops, but the average consumer, the majority of consumers online, do not pay for anything that they consume online. They seek out free content, and and yes, that there's an admirable nature of, uh, you know, enjoying society for free. But 
you know, it's equally admirable to, you know, drop a dollar in a guitar case when you when you listen to a musician playing on a street corner just simply because it's like a, it's like a polite society thing to do, you know, he's taking his time to try to entertain people and he's not asking for anything besides, you know, the the spare change in your pocket because it, it and yes, you're the under the assumption that it will all add up so that he may support his, you know, guitar playing and, mus- and musicianship and life. <laughs> you know, he may eat and then, you know, pursue living for a couple of more days, you know, and not have to, like, die starving in the gutter. Um, and, and really, it didn't cost you anything more than, like, a, the, you know, the spare change you got from buying coffee that day or whatever, you know. You, it's this, it's a system that doesn't demand much but keeps itself afloat you know, called society. And I think that the, uh, yeah, it's not, it's not like you don't have, there's no apology necessary. So everything is going into this, uh, this more, uh, maturized version of itself, more professional version of itself, uh, both so that I can evolve as a creator and get, you know, a more professional rig and setup. And, uh, you know, both you as the listener can enjoy a more fulfilling and um, uh, creatively high class program, and and I think that everyone listening here really is a fan of the messages, fan of the type of guests I bring about, fan of the type of uh, interviews I myself participate in, fan of the the uh, subject matter I, I talk about in the videos I bring would really. Um, you know, really, really uh, agree that if that was done for literally nothing, if that was done for a shoestring budget, that even with, uh, you know, a very humble funding, that the quality will just, you know, go through the roof and it will actually be um, very well worth it, as well as how much uh, direct engagement I have with my. Patreons and with my uh, fans and supporters, I know many of y'all by name. I know many of your backstories and histories, and and have daily, if not weekly, communi- or weekly, if not daily, communications uh, with with many of you. And so, definitely check that out. Check out the uh, links that I'm going to be posting. I'll make like a, a actual specific video or. Um, you know, broadcast on all my social medias to to talk about where the channel is actually specifically going, the Rumble account and um, Rockfin and all that. So once I get it set up, but yeah, yeah, I mean it's been great uh, speaking to you guys about this stuff. So this video is going, this episode is going to be a little bit about uh, the. I guess you would call it the truth of Noah's Ark and and the Flood and that cycle of things. It's kind of controversial in many ways because as far as I know, I'm the only one really piecing it together the way I have. And this is something that I'm not really sure even what to call it. Uh, because what it is is a reinterpretation of humanity's place in all of it, as well as the actual nature of 
free flood man, free flood society, and, and I and I hesitate to say man, but the pre flood world as created directly by divine cosmic intelligence, the Elohim, and specifically by God, uh, Jehovah, in the, the the Garden of Eden, in this controlled environment, specifically to create a species that would r- replicate the existence of the god beings that created them but in purely artificial ways the entirety of the the I mean the complexity of it the entirety of the 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 weight of it is enormous so i guess the best way to get into it is just directly and and not really spend too much time uh, hesitating to kind of just say what what I think, and, and, and no matter how wild it really is or how divergent it really is, um, I'll try to point out where you can see there's like you know differences of interpretation. But when it's too wildly different, I won't really uh, you know bother on making that point. But let's uh, let's just start. The, the way I see it is that really the definition comes down to what mankind or what human beings are. Human beings are not the Adamites. We are not pre-flood humans in really any sense of the, the term. And the nature of the hybrid nature of mankind comes from the survivorship of Noah's Ark. but And this it goes into what the Adamites truly are. Uh, so the best way to go about it is just to talk about it from the beginning. The Adamites, the people of Adam, or at least Adam himself, when he was created, was a being of the dirt. was a being of clay, given animate animation given life an autonomy through uh, divine intelligence represented as divine breath and so it was a type of acoustic empowerment but beyond the awareness and the mind beyond the actual like life force that was empowering Adam there was no flesh about Adam there was no Humanity about Adam. In fact, Adam is oftentimes, when you look at it uh, through Old Testament scholars or, or even uh, rabbinical scholars, uh, much different in scale than a man. He was 66 cubits high. He was uh, comprised mostly of what we know as gold. And thus, he is more like a robotic golem and at this point you have to think about silicon life versus carbon life because a lot of this goes into what the misinterpretation truly is 
is that there is only one possible world and when we think about these stories when they have been told to us and when they are interpreted throughout history by painters and artists and by the church they are interpreted in such a way as to uh, betray mankind's limitation of imagination and, and limitation of ambition and, and to really uh, reiterate the fact that nature and God and the physics of the universe and in fact all things of the world and the environment are infinitely more complex and real than how we expect them to be or even observe them to be. But because mankind's untrained eyes have been convincing ourselves that things are the way they are as if the children's books were the actual history books of uh, a species or the, hum- or the actual psychology of the people who wrote it or the actual culture or society of the people who wrote it. And you can no more know human nature from reading Peter Pan than you can from going to the jungles of Borneo and thinking you, you can learn about high society by studying witch doctors like it's not it's 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 something so that mankind has completely imprisoned itself in this world of of really uh delusion and it doesn't see that the nature that we're living in is one continued and continuous creature known as flesh the the creation of flesh and in many ways the creation of the carbon life form and nerve and vein and blood and artery and bone it comes from the bone the bone is the core which is calcium it's a it's a living calcite creature and it reproduces itself in various self-sustaining ecosystems and that co-opt the physical environments of the locations where it exists and it spreads like a blanket and its rival is plant matter in the in the way of like a sibling rivalry because both plants and carbon flesh are related and they they compete but they are also symbiotically necessary for their survival and it's like this yin and yang phenomenon but and and, and that's just because most, most people won't even imagine that this is like the, the sense of the scale of what's going on you have to then include minerals you have to include mineralogy and the mineral consciousnesses that's, that make up the very f- world, the terra firma that we exist in. Because the very ground can be considered alive. Rocks can be considered alive. 
And people don't want to have this conversation yet. And and what really um, it comes down to is that people don't want to to think about the spirit of animation being in anything besides animals and if anything else plants like that's fucking wild to think that a plant could have the feelings and thoughts of a of a human being and you would be much easier to accept that a tree can have the identity uh, and mind of a man than you are of a rock because if I told you a rock has a an identity and a consciousness and can form thoughts over a time frame and in, in, in a sense of time that it's in the thousands of years that would relate to it as being mere seconds on a on a you know in its biological clock and that it's not governed as an individual item, but it's governed through the mineral, um, the, the mineral flow chart of like uh, recycling, and it goes underneath the the crust and plates, and it goes into its molten state, and comes back and rehardens, and through pressure becomes a different type of mineral or alloy. And this is how metals are created. This is how gems are created. This is how. All kinds of uh, different uh, rock structures are created, crystals, uh, everything. It's uh, like different animals in an ecosystem. Like, oh, that's a zebra. Oh, that's some quartz crystal. Oh, that's a that's a, a snake. Oh, this is some gold. Oh, that's a dolphin. This is some marble. You know, and people don't want to have that conversation. That just like the squishy and and blood-filled meat, uh, meat life and the uh, plant and leafy uh, sap-filled vegetation life uh, there are rocks and the rock life their blood is oil oil does not come from fossil fuels it is the natural secretions and flow inside certain minerals uh, more, and it's the second most uh, common liquid on Earth, and second highest in volume, and and we could use oil for the next like billion years, and not not see any um, end of it because it's produced naturally, in this renewable uh, fashion, and it's just that we used it in certain pockets, and that's just a different debate. Like that, that they wasn't a very deep uh, pool to be draining from. And yes, you can drain a puddle, but you can't drain the ocean. He's like, you can you can dredge a puddle, but you can't dredge an ocean. And and you can you might go you know exactly uh, empty a lake, but you can't empty the the actual uh, reality of of how much oil there truly truly is on this world. And you can make it in a lab. It's just graphene oxide liquid. And it's it's um, our graphene carb our carbon put together. It's actually very easy and common to make oil. It's not a discussion here, but the fact is that what we know as petroleum, what we know as minerals, as geo, uh, geology, it's more akin to a type of biology. It's more akin to a type of zoology, where the uh, 
minerals that we covet, that we love, that we want to uh, acquire, but also at the same time just do not consider alive. We consider them a, a, you know, the absolute furthest encounterable real material thing on Earth that is not alive. (laughs) But it is in fact alive. It is in fact the remains of life. It is in fact a similar thing as flesh. Our bone. In its own way. And it's a very difficult thing to express in that way. And, um... And, and it's very much this idea that at everything in the universe is imbued with God in this divine way because God literally made everything. And even Adam is said to be made from the clay and the dirt. Adama means clay and uh, specifically red clay, flesh clay. And that's what there's so much like ideas and metaphor behind it, but in, in this case, it really was made from the mineral and the mineral that the earth would become, and it would go back to the earth. And there's a huge misinterpretation there. This idea that where you come from and where you belong are two different places, and both are the Recyclative, the, I mean, the regenerative cycle, the life cycle on Earth. And where I'm going with this Adam and, and the flood thing is Adam was the first conscious creature, and it was not hermaphroditic. It didn't need to have a gender or a sex because it was pure consciousness in a humanoid or, you know, a physical form. And that form was more like silicon. It was more like a type of rock or a quartz crystal, like a living, living metallic, uh, like robot, with with you know consciousness, with awareness. And um, these rocks, these minerals, whether they were humanoid or not, because it defies imagination that in in some deep deep, deep era of the earth and deep, deep era of time that creatures existed that were rock and mineral and they alone existed. They attained incredible because of the the divine, um, you know, gifts that they had bestowed upon them, divine consciousness that they had inherited from the very direct creator in this ancient era, able to communicate directly with the divine, with the cosmic intelligence that controls all the universe, and demanded other life to exist on this earth, or or, or in the garden, as it were. This not... This, you know, in the in the Old Testament is answered with the creation of Eve through the rib of Adam. But in a interpretation that, you know, I am seeing it as is the the evolution of a different life form from the elements that made up this mineral creature, this mineral ecosystem. 
And from this mineral kingdom came carbon life. But the 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 real scholar, the rabbinical scholar, the, the people who read things like the Zohar or have listened to my esoteric and occult uh, episodes uh, every full and new moon uh, would know better or maybe think differently, especially if you listen to the uh, ancient mythologies or the ancient mystery series uh, and know that the first companion to Adam was Lilith. Was Lilith, and she did not need to cooperate or take uh, Adam's image or his responsibility or his uh, basically hand in marriage, and that she sought uh, companionship elsewhere. Now, this is basically the inclusion of a threefold first of days scenario. So, from that, you have Adam, mineral life, Adama, the dirt. You have Lilith, who I believe is actually carbon life. And then you have uh, vegetative life, Eve, always represented as uh, the garden, or, or having basically such a synonymous nature with the garden itself that only or she appears before even the serpent, or she appears even before uh, mention of uh, the Tree of Knowledge. Maybe even because she personifies the very apple that was the fruit of temptation, and that there is no separation between what would occur. But the interpretations is they're already seen as three physical human beings or three human-like beings, three angelic or three demonic or three uh, deified human beings in this garden. Uh, most times it's represented as human beings, but no, they are actual metaphors for entire trees of life. Entire trees of evolution. Separated between the animal, the mineral, and the vegetable. And this spectrum creates the natural world. The spectrum completes the entirety of the world. Except for one thing that's missing. The oceans. And that's why the completion of the Adamic generations with Eve, as well as, as well as Lilith, are represented, or specifically the ending of the line of Adam and Eve, with the continuation of Lilith, is represented through the flood after 14 generations. The nature of the reality we live in, I think, was one of, at first, in the history of the world, domination of the world by beings of stone, silicon life forms, beings that were 
more mineral than you could possibly think would be animated surviving on etheric energies electricity the divine spark surviving on um, hereto unknown wireless energies direct energies given to them by outside cosmic creators aka either the the Elohim the, the divine beings that created this life on earth which you know by all stretches of imagination are unknowable but that this mineral consciousness this divine life was what created the first cities which was created the first uh, empires and that was the first exact generations that really oversaw what has been interpreted to be an entirely human kingdom and as we become wiser to the fact of these things and we begin to think about giants and we begin to think about uh, uh, these different um, mythical situations a sense of scale becomes controversial it becomes very debatable what the actual term of a pre-flood giant was now people are very quick to think about Goliath or they're very quick to think about Andre the Giant or they're very quick to think about um, you know someone who's either between 7 to 12 feet tall as just a gigantic man that is a giant human being someone who is over 8 feet tall is like the tallest person you'll ever see a giant in a, the proper sense of the word is 60 feet tall to a hundred plus foot tall. Some are 900 feet tall in the Bible. Some fallen angels are represented in leagues in terms of height. That's, that's like saying miles tall. The, one of the fallen angels who landed, landed on Mount Jared is described as being a 2,000-day journey to climb. As if, though, he was a walking Mount Everest... And it would take 2,000 or days, years of, of an expedition to climb from his feet up his body to where his crown or his, his head was. Like to actually reach the summit of, of this fallen angel. 2,000 days journey. That's uh, roughly four years. Or it's like three years, right? Wait. Um, actually, no, it's actually like, like eight. It's more like eight now I think about it. I mean, let me do a little quick math on the old cell phone. 2,000 divided by 365. Okay, so yeah, it's five and a half. I was, saying, I was right with the four. Yeah, uh, five and a half. But it's a five and a half year long journey. 
to climb from his feet to the top of his head. And, and like I said, don't be fooled into thinking it had to look strictly humanoid because at this time we're encouraging the, the translation of what it means to be human as merely what it means to be intelligent, what it means to be uh, spiritual or to have a soul. And anything and everything can be interpreted to be a child of God or a creation of God, because that's ex- directly what it's expressed to be, that everything is from, like, dolphins to chimpanzees to, like, fucking, uh, you know, uh, bugs, that everything has this divine spark of consciousness and sees the world basically the same. And so, at some point, the separation of man from nature occurred in mankind's psyche, and it is uh, actually reputed by King Solomon the Wise in, you know, Ecclesiastes, and uh, that's another story, but yeah, getting back into this pre-flood story, the interpretation of it being three separate kingdoms of life, one being the mineral, atomite um, life, the other being the vegetative or uh, uh, floral Eve. And that creating intelligences that were ultimately corrupted, that were worshippers of themselves, that sought to expand and to invade outside the realms that they had already uh, been basically uh, uh, given the, the 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 perimeters, the territories that they had been given, <laughs> seeking to, as you know, put it. Uh, what, invade heaven you know, by force and that a corruption had occurred across the spectrum of the world itself now the concept of the corruption of flesh is very uh interesting because this goes into the really the only time when this is directly like referenced is the what what constitutes flesh what what is the importance of this word flesh and like i said before the concept of life as we know it because humanity can only know it from its own perspective from its own center of gravity is the the flesh being is the blood being is the being of meat and bone and and you know uh cartilage and fingernails and like you know teeth and shit like is it like uh, literally shit and piss like the beings of a carbon life form like dogs like deer like cattle like a bird like fish you know and this is where it gets to the point of what is flesh what is what could corrupt but, well, why would it corrupt? 
And I think what was happening was the stone, the literal stonework, or the stone people, the stone life, together with the vegetation life, was actually corrupting and converting the flesh life of the world. Or, equally possible, and, and, and an alternative theory about this, is that the stone life and the vegetation life was becoming too powerful and becoming too predatory. Whereas, previously, the, the concepts of them being maybe a, what we see now as a divine order, a reset order, being exactly that, that there were too many natural disasters, that the forest was too untamable, that the plants themselves had become poisonous, that they had become predatory. Remember, they're not like a plant man walking around. It's not like a stone man sitting on like a big stone throne, like eating people, but it's this type of species, a hyper-competitive dominant species that had existed because they were directly created by this extraterrestrial or heavenly Elohim, you know, intelligence, um, this divine creator of all things, and that these two, which had which had previously cast out the third carbon life, had started to excel in a pairing, <laughs> a corrupted pairing, a pairing that was predatory. And that that, uh, that rapid growth of evolution saw that they might kill and destroy themselves and others. Or that, as it was put, nothing was safe from the corruption that they were extending across the world. Everything had basically already fallen to them and was in the, their mercy. This appearance of the flood, which was the inclusion of waters might have uh, destroyed the grid or the energy field that was currently going on. Salt water does weird things with electricity. Salt water really does. Um, salt water does a lot of weird shit with the elements, with corrosion, with um, basically thinking of the world as a giant like uh, chemistry kit. And that salt water does a lot for the alkaline and for the, the, it's, you know, it has an effect. It really does. Especially when you think of what it does to the, um, ecosystem, to the, to the, uh, atmosphere, to the entirety of the natural world, given rain cycles and storm cycles and desertification and, um, it's all based on the Gulf Stream. It's all based on water currents and water distribution. Um, you know, the the fact that plants don't grow in salt water, yet most of the world is covered in salt water, is very interesting to me. The fact that salt is an actual um, sterilizer for plant life and the, the classic way of making sure a place goes to become a desert is by putting salt on it. And that, you know, it's... There's a lot to, to say about the, you know, give and take of this, this thing we call the ocean when it comes to this, this world. 
but I think that the flooding of the earth in salt water being a cosmic event, being a, a, a global catastrophe, whether intelligently assigned or not, as the flood is in this um, story. But it, the, the story is obviously a metaphor, and the metaphor is obviously shared across um, all these mythologies. It's in every single culture. Is that that process, that event, absolutely reset and and stopped the uh, advancement or evolution or maybe even the very existence of these other forms of intelligences either by knocking them offline by weakening their grid by physically stopping and, and destroying them um in my imaginations of it, turning the, their bodies into petrified stone, literally freezing them and, and rusting them, uh, submerging their cities, which were developed in places where oceans had previously and lakes had not existed before, uh, causing massive flooding and burying cities and evidences, you know, previously, uh, you know, that were cities on the hill, basically. But it was not. And I can tell you this, it was not human beings in various sizes talking to various angelic beings that are purely ethereal yet lust physically for the flesh of women. It was a metaphor and a high metaphor at that. A very, very high-spirited metaphor that was ambitious and trying to express something which is almost impossible to understand by anyone's imagination or ability to because it deals with such a radical notion of intelligent life that I'm sure I did a miserable job just trying to explain. The forest, and I'll, I'll, I'll get to a better explanation of it, or a summarization of the, the intent of what I was trying to say after uh, this musical break. But next time you hear me will be the closure of this, um, and, and summation of this uh, of theory. Thank you very much for having patience so far. You got a lot of guts sticking around. Uh, you're going to be heading into a music break, and then, um, uh, jumping right back into uh, the episode.
Sometimes it's better not to say anything at all. Your body is an anchor, never has to be free. Just wanna stay in the business of making you happy. I'm just waiting for you, 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 waiting Okay, we are back. Now, to kind of reiterate and to summarize and to bring back everyone up to speed, we are talking about an alternative interpretation of the Noah's Flood, Noah's Ark story, the backstory of which is the focus of this interpretation, as well as its relation to the creation of Genesis story of Adam, Eve, the Garden of Eden. Now, the details of the Garden of Eden story are unimportant, although to summarize those events, Adam and Eve, Eve being the apple of the garden, as well as the temptation of the garden, as well as the serpents of the garden in itself, all three being combined into this nature floral, vegetative, vegetative uh, genetics, our tree of life, 
branch of life. Adam being the prime life form, the originating consciousness, and being mineral in nature. Being uh, silicon, not carbon. And the silicon tree of life mating with and siding with the vegetative, floral side of life to create from the wilderness the first cities of the earth. And these have been erroneously and inaccurately described by human beings ever since because we only exist in a society with human beings and with only the domination of carbon-based life. Not vegetative-based life, uh, and and not uh, not the I mean flesh life, carbon life might include the uh, creation of vegetative matter as well. But there's a vegetative consciousness, a mineral consciousness, and a uh, animal consciousness, and we are the animal consciousness. We are the face of God represented in the tree of life in the animal kingdom there was a plant kingdom and there still is but there was a face of God represented in the plant kingdom known as Eve and there was a face of God a godhead had evolved from silicon life, mineral life, known as Adam. And the order was Adam first, silicon life first, Lilith, which was animal kingdom, second, and Eve, the vegetation kingdom, the plant kingdom, third. And if you wanted to think about it in deep time, mineralogy or minerals became sentient, followed by single-celled eukaryotic bacteria and amoebas and microcellular biology, but it was biology followed by the evolution of vegetation and the form of single-celled plant life things like algaes things like fungi things like um, the different protozoa hydra uh, although those are animal life uh, now that I think about it so so other vegetation um, that exists you know in the very primordial levels if it was plankton there is zooplankton and there is phytoplankton and phytoplankton is plant life, corals, uh, seedlings, you know, things like that. But the zooplankton is the animal component. Larva, seed, uh, fish fry, uh, microscopic animals, etc. Those two distinctions may, may be... Uh, inherently great importance because we're not directly talking about 
as I said before, human-scale dramas. We're talking about really deep fucking concepts of what life form dominates evolution on this earth and what the future of the solar system would be given the rise of certain uh, elements and certain factors of things and if there was a divine intelligent creator one of the key factors that would would be would be decided if there were these three supposedly balanced paths of life but if they started to favor each other and develop an imbalance then a correction and a great reset would have to occur this would go from seeing the world have three major forms of evolution to either one which is only animal life or ultimately four which is the inclusion of water in in a form of uh, water consciousness and that's a that's a rabbit hole that I want to include because I want to do an entire episode and talk on that water consciousness. Um, you know, water has a memory, and that water can uh, remember, as it were, the different vessels it was put into. Uh, that's this is a measurable fact. You can also react to the outside world and like things like intention, and this is a scientific fact as well. That water um, previously frozen freezes faster. Or, you know, it, it, there's this weird um, nature behind water that is most indicative of, you know, these intangible amounts of information that all physical things have. Uh, because all physical things are a part of divine creator consciousness in the universe because God made the universe and the universe is God so the supreme evolutionary power on earth has been reduced now after the flood to one which is animal life as the dominant and uh, only surviving as it would be interpreted uh intelligent life form or intelligent tree of life or, or basically tree of life to have a god face to it or, or a god consciousness in it surviving the the great flood or it could be interpreted that the uh, pillar of Lilith has been ascended with the inclusion now of like a, a four-cornered earth where you have mineral intelligence, you have vegetable intelligence, you have animal intelligence, and you have uh, you have uh, water intelligence. And that has created the world that we physically live in now. That has created our physical universe. 
our very planet is comprised of those four competing trees of life. Whereas before the flood, the corruption had in date uh, the corruption of uh, I guess you would call it um, cross cross evolution where the in my theory the plant tree the the plant kingdom and the uh, mineral kingdom were beginning to form or basically they had married and began to form hybrids or species that were directly defending and supporting each other. And this had caused a massive imbalance in between the three supposedly equal branches of life in which the mineral life was rapidly evolving and think uh, naturally forming a eye, think uh, naturally forming um, stonework and, and being the very cities that the the beings, the consciousness would live in and these would be not like human cities but caverns underground with crystals um, that would serve as vessels for their consciousnesses to like slumber and to meditate and evolve it's, it's bizarre because it's not human at all they're silicon life forms um, it's like you know I don't know what a rock thinks about but it's it's uh, something to think about you know I'm saying that's something to put a meditation on especially when you're studying aliens you kind of run into it and it's one of those things where you're like yeah, this is probably the weirdest shit you'll ever think about because you're thinking about a rock as a living thing. And it's like, it could be oil. And this is not far-fetched to think that oil is intelligent and, like, has the ability to have a memory and a carnivorous um, diet and, like, it's a predator and, you know, or, or that it could form a parasitic, you know, bond or something and... Um, so could fungus, fungus take over and, and kill life forms constantly, and that's a plant, um, as well as plants being poisonous, and so if there was a merger of minerals, or, or rather, if the plant kingdom had started to become a, um, a co-evolved with minerals that would somehow exploit some kind of, um, like, uh, survival, um, skill or, or survival element in this world that would, you know, um, have caused the animal kingdom to go extinct. Completely extinct. And there would be fucking zero animals on this earth. It would just be plants and smart rocks. And as I said, ultimately, that's what was going to happen. There's going to be no... There's going to be fucking forests and jungles and caves that were, like, computers that had evolved just to be super fucking smart. And they would launch, like, meteors and asteroids and shit from volcanoes that they had grown. And there would be zero life forms, zero birds, 
zero bugs, zero fish, zero monkeys, zero zebras, no life forms, not one fucking thing walking around, no dinosaurs, nothing. It would just be plants, different kinds of badass plants, and fucking rocks that were super smart. And this was corrected, this was destroyed, and and remedied, and, and now prevented with the inclusion of oceans worth of water. 75% of the Earth's surface worth of salt water that just smashed into the Earth and rained down from literally the heavens and shot up from the interior of the Earth and uh, met in the middle and submerged all of these ancient, intelligent rocks. Who I assume look like pyramids who I think have evolved to be pointy and to look like big triangles. And I'm not lying. I think pyramids are grown. And I think pyramids themselves are alive. Or used to be. They're like the bones of them now. But after the rains, most of them are under the ocean, actually. And um, they were the very cities that we're finding is that these were actually living things, or the cities themselves, and we live in their bones. Yeah, I know, weird, right? But, exactly, it's, it's fucking weird. The universe is weird like that. But that's what I'm saying. That the, it's the same with forests. We build houses out of tree bones, and we'll cut a tree down. It's like we built, we literally live on cities that are the bones of a type of life form that we have never known it to be anything but our cities. You gotta, exactly, you gotta, you gotta really use your your higher brain here, because this is some big fucking, you no, know, this is some big picture shit. And this happened over billions of years ago, and this is billions and billions, billions of years in the making, and and we as the animals, as the animal kingdom, and as human beings, which are the godhead represented as animals, were only allowed to evolve after the recession of this cataclysm, and after the extinction of a prior dominant empire that was comprised of Adam and Eve and their children which are the corrupt, evil Canaan, or like Tubal Cain and Children of Seth and all that bullshit like that Noah came from. Now, Noah, as a type of metaphor and symbolism, is never interpreted as being fully human, nor is the one that actually, like, it's, he's indirectly the one who saved people because of his connection to this old world. And, and yes, um, very, very, you know, obvious that, you know, it's because of this connection to the old world that the old world was kind of allowed to, to to return again, which I don't think is really necessarily the case. What I do think is the case, though, is that the creation of a survivor species of the human beings, the animals, <coughs> was it open uh, hybridization and open uh, calling for intelligent design and and uh, intelligent um, um, selection because 
not only is there intelligent design, say, for example, in the Genesis story where God creates all the animals, but then God selects which animals would survive, and then the process for which, how they do, and then, like, you know, the ark, and then how humans themselves survive, including down to which family specifically contains the values and the ethics and the mindset, right? The heart, the, the personality, the, the intangibles. And this is in the layman's story, just the children's story they tell people, right? But the interpretation is, is because the factors that would go into creating this animal kingdom at this point, because he's already creating the cataclysm, the intelligence the Elohims are already creating the shape of the world, would go on to select the absolute you guys call it um <coughs> um nature of the life that would evolve from these survivors. These weren't human beings on the ark as we have already talked about it human beings are anything that's smart research the topic when you, if you ever get a chance uh, out there in dreamland about non-human personhood just research that topic non-human personhood do you know in Saudi Arabia they consider AI non-human persons that are capable of uh, registering for things like uh, you know IDs, etc., are being given such by the state and being considered by the state as you would a person being given a social security number, uh, you know, uh, being subject to laws that only apply basically to people, and uh, you know things like uh, being subject to human rights. You're entitled to human rights. <coughs> Dolphins also qualify for this. Chimpanzees in, in most European countries qualify for that. Recently, um, the British have kind of gone on record saying that shellfish actual, and octopuses qualify as conscious beings and are recognized now as such given that there are now penalties for boiling them alive or treating them cruelly during harvests because the recognition of what it means to be aware and conscious is rapidly evolving and no longer do you have to have uh, a human uh, set of D uh, chromosomes and, you know, a, a, a driver's license to qualify as a real person or as someone who can, you know, qualify as someone who could be uh, considered, you know, aware and alive. Uh, we know for a fact gorillas can learn sign language and they communicate their feelings. Uh, elephants can paint uh, art and, and, like, repaint their memories and things. Uh, we know this for a fact now, that it's a non-negotiable fact when considering life forms. That it, 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 you can't read a book by its cover 
And no matter what something looks like, it doesn't mean it's not, you know, smart enough to, to wonder what you're thinking about, uh, you know, as well. And they can have societies, they could have intangible value systems, they could have ethics, they could have uh, economies, they could, they could have um, fucking hobbies. They could have, exactly, they, they, could, they could be um, philosophical and spiritual, and they could be, um, you know, funny. And they can they can have exactly senses of humors. Animals have senses of humors, and and animals have personalities, and aliens do too. And so do all life forms. And I think this is what they were doing. And they were selecting not a true family, but an artificial family, an adopted family, an adoptive family, and not one of them was actually related. And this is the big interpretation where they were all related. So what? They were... No, it was like... And they weren't even human at this point. They were just animals. And even then, that's it. It's not... We have to interpret it as being a guy with a boat with animals. They were all this DNA. And it was selected that they would be the survivors of it all. And then there's a lot of reinterpretation and rewriting later on that doesn't even need or qualify as being necessary to speak about. Because it's just so, you know, as I, most of it is only because the retelling so many times have gotten so many details wrong. But ultimately, it is that abstract, but it is that pivotal and powerful. And going forward, the children of Lilam. The children of the animal kingdom inherit the world in great number. And one of the weird things about Lilum is that in esoteric um, uh, writings, in the, like say the Mystery 7 uh, teachings, that there are a thousand children born and a thousand children that die um, every day for, for the children of Lilum. Perfect description of the animal kingdom if I've ever heard one given before that this chaotic wellspring of life constantly is living, being bored and dying and replacing itself in this wellspring of equilibrium and it's interpreted in many teachings as like a very demonic saying like uh, oh, every night she, you know, every day they make a thousand more of her children, and then every night, though, a thousand will are destined to die. And you're like, if it's if told in a sinister way, yes, life itself is very sinister, but the optimistic way of, of understanding that is the very, just what it is. For everyone born, or for everyone that does die, someone is born. And for everyone who is born, someone does die. And we're, they don't mitigate the fact that thousands and thousands and upon millions of things this today, from all forms of life, from the fish to the birds to the frogs to the uh, microscopic animals to the, you know, people uh, around the world, um, and, and the gut bacteria that live inside them, um, 
face death and destruction every day, usually at the hands of its own kind and just time itself. But that through its system of filling a vacuum and a void will never reach an end point because for everyone that is lost, one is born. For every rat that is eaten, a owl, an owl chick, it hatches from an egg. And it's, you know, that owl can have more eggs of other owls. And, and those owls will then eat more rats. And there's this cycle of evolution in life that is both uh, absolutely, like, bloodthirsty, but at the same time, like you said, this idea of what is flesh. What is this flesh creature? And what is the flesh kingdom and the animal kingdom itself? The horrifying question and the reality of it is that it's all... It's basically all one thing, and it can trace back its evolution to one singular point. And it, it, it's very clear that this is the case. Atheists, um, theologists, religious people of all faiths cannot deny this, that one creator has created all living things, one species originated all living things, but that life itself is eating other things uh, raw <laughs> and, and until you are eaten by something <laughs> living or dead with the ultimate goal just to kind of die of natural causes so that you don't have to experience being eaten by something regardless of you yourself survived on the on the you know it's like death throes and 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 be, still beating hearts of of you know at least one thing per day and <laughs> this is this you know absolute rectifi- like you know recognition of Lilith which is usually recognized in occult mythology as the vampire mother as the mother of vampires as the mother of all monsters and in many ways recognized as Tiamat. And uh, Tiamat being the um, mother of dragons and the mother of, of these uh, sea monsters, these titans, you know, that would fight the Anunnaki, that fight the creatures of heaven. Uh, later on, a different uh, situation, a different cataclysm to come. But at that point, having inherited the world, after the flood, um, the flood timeline, and that's a different story, but the flood timeline is really what's at stake here. Um, I don't believe the flood is recent at all. I don't believe the flood is in recent memory at all. I don't believe that the flood occurred during a time where human beings were um, around on Earth. And I don't believe that the stories are active or accurate when they portray it as stories amongst people, either a Noah figure, a Babylonian king, Sumerians, you know, Atlanteans, Egyptians, whatever, what have you. All of those came relatively very recently, and all of them 
evolved far. Like there, there's no point in human history where human beings emerged that we were ever connected, ever connected. This is all recounted through dream vision and through ultra-terrestrial angelic messenger and through uh, channeling through the Akashic Records. But mankind was not present in any form during the time of the Great Flood because, or Adam and Eve because those are representations ultimately of silicon life forms plant kingdom life forms dominating the earth and causing the extinction of animal flesh life uh, flesh and blood and bone based life and that the situation was corrected through the cosmic event, a doomsday event in many definitions of the word, but based on the doom of ecologies and environments that were inherently alien to us as animals as it could possibly be, because we are talking about a silicon animal kingdom that was dominating the surface of the world and hostily doing it, knowing good and evil, uh, knowing how to destroy, for example, and not just how to exist and how to create, knowing the knowledge of good and evil, and the the world of plants, the plant kingdom, with its toxins, with its uh, inherent competitiveness, and um, really survival-focused, um, you know, singular plant overmind. You know, and yes, these were both the Godhead represented the divine spark of reality represented in these two animal kingdoms, which were created ultimately by that which created the, the I guess you call it the universe, the, the world, the and where it is, the thing the world is in, right? And then the animal kingdom, having been spared the extinction... Because, and seen fit to inherit the world by the divine creator's intelligence has risen to soul ascendancy after the flood and now a four-cornered earth with water consciousness, mineral consciousness, plant consciousness, and animal consciousness um, existing together but with animal consciousness as ascended and the only consciousness that currently has any real like, you know, manifestation or power due to the massive inclusion, the massive addition of all the salt water that we now call our oceans also filled with animal life but that the the grid itself was the the real thing the, the etheric energy that used to fuel these non-flesh life forms these non-flesh consciousnesses the very power grid that operated and was maybe even generated by the things like the silicon trees or the massive uh you know uh varieties of fungus and things that could you know form natural internets uh, around the world, like how trees are all sending communications chemically through the air. Um, these systems were were very damaged, if not completely reset, like reduced to, to ground zero. 
um, due to the inclusions of this salt water, this this seemingly alien salt water, these oceans. I believe the majority, I believe 90% of these intelligent rocks and, and their colonies and civilizations and, and structures and evidence has already eroded into time, but they themselves are what forms the mountains. They themselves were what created the pyramids. Their, their, their bones are the pyramids. Their bones are the cities that we exist in, that we have called home, that we have inherited. The deep underground tunnels that we find, the deep underground caverns, those are the remnants that what was created by these silicon life forms over the course of billions and billions of years. It's hard to imagine what plant consciousness would be like, what, what the plant creatures that had evolved with their peak of evolution would be like without the inclusion of such caustic environments such as salt water and the addition of salt into the environment, um, which you see these ancient tree stumps. You see these ancient uh, um, tree stumps, and, and one has to think they reached into the sky. They reached into space. You know, these ancient trees, these, these huge canopies... And now the, the, the plant kingdom, the, the kingdom of Eve, serves merely to feed the children of Lilim. And, and the children of Lilim eat of the Eve. They eat literally of the Garden of Eden. They eat of the apple of the knowledge of good and evil. They eat of the apple of the garden. They eat of the temptation. Because in eating of a plant, you are committing a, a, a kill. You are killing that plant. You are committing, and a plant is alive. The plant it can register that it's being devoured. But the point is you are doing it to sustain yourself, and so it's not a deterrent. You know full well, but you just don't care. And at that point, you realize it doesn't matter. Because that's a big part of this life that we inherit, the animal kingdom, you cannot deny the fact, Darwin couldn't deny it, Jesus couldn't deny it, that that's what life in many ways is about. The provisions of food and, and drink and the day-to-day animal existence that we are given in this world and our bodies. And it's this idea that... That you know, if people say, "Well, Jesus is a vegan," he wasn't. He ate fish. There is no indication that Jesus did not eat meat, because it's not a factor. In fact, the the real thing is when King Solomon said that you you could say uh, a man who's basically at peace with God can eat any creature he wants. Because he knows as long as he gives thanks for it. And this is the defiance of kosher. Because there is no such thing as unclean. Because at this point, everything has already been designed 
to exist only at the will of God because the, the, the intelligence of the universe has already created the factors and selected that which would exist in the future by this point. It said no human being existed before or during or after any of these events or decisions. We inherited things that we saw and have interpreted as such as human beings. We've, we've made it in our own image, ironically. But using that interpretation, this is what the existential dilemma now of the human race is when it comes to reinterpreting or understanding its place in this greater uh, religious scheme of things. Is that it's not trying to emulate the old ways of a pre-flood society. Because that society was not didn't exist. It can't. Unless it gives supremacy to artificial, non-flesh life. And in that way, it is trying to return to this sense of artificially elevating the world of the mineral, the world of the silicon, the silicon life forms, the silicon consciousness that currently exists in this world into a higher state of being with artificially created bodies with artificially created minds using rare minerals to create computer chips that can house the computers that could perform the functions for to allow it to exist in our image And much like the mystery of Isis and the collection of Osiris's um, body parts that were scattered um, across the, the land, and reforming them again in the coffin of the resurrection, uh, the, sarcoph- the sarcophagus. Um, so does mankind seek to kind of rebuild these now fallen um, kingdoms. Not because we seek to return ourselves to victims and not because it goes against the plan of uh, this divine order, but because we seek to become divine as well and to exercise this godhood this ability to create and in one's image you know replicate our creators and just like our creators ascend, like basically rose the mineral consciousness from the very rock itself, from the very silicon of the earth itself this is why mankind seeks to make computers is because we are resurrecting silicon 
intelligence and silicon and the godhead in the silicon where once it rightfully was but over corruption was re reset and erased we are trying to do do this with vegetables and we are trying to research and understand things like plant language and things like uh, plant energy spectrums and the DNA of plants and everything about the genetics of plants because we are seeking to awaken a dormant ability in the plants themselves to communicate back to us in ways that are active and intelligent. It may not be immediately understandable as language or as a communication, but it will be the awakening of an intelligence equal to human intelligence, equal to human level intelligence inside um, vegetable life, inside plant life. That is the ultimate kind of uh, test, if you were, for the ascendancy of mankind. Post-flood. Because mankind is nothing but a mere representation of the animal kingdom. The Godhead evolved into the form of flesh. Into the form of flesh and blood. Into the form of the animal kingdom. Inherit to earth. This earth's version of the animal kingdom. As there are animal kingdoms in all versions of earth. And this comes down to a matter of intelligence. Matter of humanness. Uh, of humanity. A matter of what is humanity. And, and what levels of intelligence you need to reach. Awareness. You know. Um, understanding. Uh, personality. Um, identity. That it's not merely based on biology. And there's nothing unique in human biology. When compared to the other creatures of the world. Save for the direct responsibilities of being the inherited evolved intelligent spokespersons of the animal kingdom itself and in many ways of the world because the animal kingdom inherits the world we are God in the flesh because we are the evolved faces of this intelligence this created this divine spark intelligence from the very beginning seen and and, and kept safe you know, allowed to survive because of interventions from the cosmic creator intelligence from the very beginning. And our competition was not corrupted human beings, was not fallen human beings, was not human beings that chose to worship um, lesser uh, rebellious, you know, heavenly entities or, or uh, earthly pleasures or, or disobeyed the creator figure 
in this a very immediate sense of the word in which um, Adam and Eve are human in any way. We are talking about deep time, or you're talking about the entire story only being a metaphor for deep time, for being a um, personification, or at least a way of explaining the competing trees of life that inher- that live that coexist on the earth in fact they make up the known earth they make up all that is the earth everything from the oxygen to the uh, oceans to the rocks that make up volcanoes and mountains and we the, the, the human beings and animals that live in them and the forests themselves that all of that, every plant, every rock, every piece of metal, every living thing uh, on Earth, all of it traces itself to one origin point on these trees of existence, these, these kingdoms. But all of them share this intelligence. All of them share this divine spark. this connection because the connection had created the very fabric of reality around it and now on a four cornered earth the one ascended and chosen species the survivors of the ark of all life now that has inherited the earth basically creates the kingdom of God and is in this constant mission to create that kingdom and that itself is a metaphor and and we'll get into that to a future episode but that is basically my take on the events and significance of Noah's Ark and uh, the flood and um, I, I know that it's not what you were expecting. I know when you talk about that, people just want to talk about Noah or uh, key figures in the Old Testament. And that's what I'm saying is that that's a trap. All of that's a mind trap. You don't want to talk about things in such small picture, individualistic biographies and think that that's relative, relative or, or important in the real discussion of not only the history of the world, but of God's purpose and plan and power when it comes to the power and the glory of God. To think of it in terms of uh, selected generations and uh, um, families and things like that, as if though they were us, as if though they were people in any way, because they're not. Yes, in the Old Testament, they're written that way. Yes, in the interpretations of many of the of the uh, testaments available in English, for example, you get this very uh, dramatic character-based recollections of it. In the uh, the the false um, teachings of of the Talmud and in. Um, uh, you know, Kabbalistic studies, they want you to think about things in, in more um, um, 
occult fashions, but they want you to think of things in these very strict genealogies as well. And in this way of people. Like, they want you to focus only on people, and thus, they're not religions, they're not focused on matters of God, or matters of reality, or of the world, because they're only focused on the matters of people. They're only focused on the body, uh, the person. The, 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 the fate of mankind is not the limiting factor, or the priority, or focus of the creator of the universe. And... In the way that I have seen it, and the way I channel that information, I hope it came in very clearly, because that's a lot of what we're dealing with now, is we want to focus and make everything human, from the giants, from demons, to fallen angels, to God himself, to God itself, and the, the Shekinah glory of God, but it's this idea that you want to see what you see in the mirror, and everything around you. And you gotta think what everything around you is what you see in the mirror. And it goes back into this very nature of what is God. And very nature of what is reality. What is the nature of flesh. What is the nature of bone. What is the nature of blood. What is the nature of life? What is the nature of death? But specifically, what is the nature of the of being alive? Of being a creature on the earth? And it's this idea that all share this same destiny because it's both a greater destiny and also like the like the uh, the growth of the very tree itself. And while the, the limitations there, it's kind of both, um, you know, it's, it's, it's the, that's the big test between light and darkness, is the ability to start seeing things not just from the human mindset, the animal eyes, which, you know, in Aztec mythology, the animals are actually too stupid to pray to the gods. The animals are too low energy to attain mukti and nirvana and to ascend but that human beings are the only ones able to practice this higher level perception higher level meditation and thus when you find yourself being a human and this is your wake up call and your chance to start seeing things with more divine perception because mankind, as this selected and beautiful creature, is the portal and the way from the animal consciousness of the children of Lilith, the children of Lilith, the formerly damned, you know, children of Lilith, but actually now blessed children of Lilith. And those Lilith are now, exactly, they stuck in this wheel of life and death, of predator and prey cycles of, of you know being in this reincarnation wheel with the ascension that is offered to them being found in the kingdom of heaven which is the intelligence of space the intelligence from the cosmos 
the intelligence brought to Earth from the cosmos by our creators in deep time perspective. These eternal universal truths that don't require being human, that don't require being, uh, you know, a man or a woman, that don't require being born in any era or having any, you know, wealth. These are prehistorical, these are fundamental, these are chthonic, these are eldritch physical dimensions of our reality. The mind, the soul, the body, those are found in millions and millions of different versions and varieties and species. And yes, they are found across the mineral, the plant and the animal kingdoms as well as the salt water kingdoms, the liquid water kingdoms as well. The ethereal, the electric, the energetic, the nuclear, different radiation spectrums, all can have personifications of life because all personifications of life are the manifestations of God, the manifestations of the God self. Thank you very much for listening to me. You've listened to the Beyond Top Secret Texan podcast. I've been the Beyond Top Secret Texan. Thank you all very much. Um, this is another upload for the 12 Days of Christmas holiday event. I believe this is number 10. And if you're listening to this um, later on in the calendar year, you're just catching up to the episodes. Uh, the, the celebration this holiday is I'm releasing 12 episodes in 12, um, 12 days and up until the Christmas day. And, um, you know, I hope you are having a great holiday. If you are listening to this after the Christmas season of 2021, I hope you had a great Christmas. And, um, you know, if you are listening to this, uh, you know, during the holiday, I hope you stick around and and really, uh, you know, ride that wave and ride the momentum with us. I'm sure as the shows go on, and if you're listening to them, we're going to be making some breakthroughs and really getting into the momentum, getting into the energy of uh, these releases. I don't know of any other podcast in the world right now that's having such a busy release schedule um, but, you know, I do that because we are striking now while the iron is hot and we are really celebrating this year uh, and trying to get into the, the spirit of the holidays. You know, it's better to give than to receive. So hope you guys are having a great holiday out there in Dreamland. You're the greatest audience. Thank you for supporting me. If you have already on Patreon, uh, check out my uh, social media. By this time, you guys have probably already figured out that, you know, if you're listening to it for two hours, that you should, that you know, you decide you want to follow it, and everything. But uh, leave a like, subscribe, follow, check out the new episodes, check out past episodes, share with your friends, post it on social media, post it online. Um, really get the word out. You know, you guys help me a lot on that front, and absolutely the growth of this channel, the spread of this channel, and the popularity of this channel 
absolutely I am thankful for every single one of you that shared it with your friends that have posted it on 4chan that have posted it on reddit and uh, thank you all very much for those who will post that in the future uh, you know so thank you all greatest audience out there in dreamland namaste and shalom iron sharpens iron a friend sharpens a friend a beyond top secret Texan uh, you will listen to the beyond top secret Texan podcast speaking about Noah's Ark and the flood and my interpretation of it so thank you all very much God bless you and good night
It don't mean we can't be in something in any way. My baby's coming back now on the next train. I can hear the whistle blowing. I can hear the mighty roar. I can hear the horses prancing in the pastures of the Lord. The train is coming, and I'm standing here to see, and it's bringing my baby right back to me. Well, there is Oh, uh-huh.